Welcome to Unlikely Intersections, where intent, impact, and inquiry inspire our conversations. I'm Dr. Philip Brown with my good friend, Dr. Terry Jackson, and you're at the Unlikely Intersection. The interesting thing about intersections is that we all face many intersections every day. How we navigate these determine the trajectory of our days and our lives. Terry, we got a great topic today. Yeah, another great topic. I'm really interested in this because this is going to be a very fun topic, right? And it relates to all of us every day, but we may not give it a whole lot of thought. Absolutely. And we talk about, you know, kind of getting outside your comfort zone. Today's topic is almost like music, right? We're talking about rhythm and harmony. I don't know anything about music, right? And my <laughs> sister's going to definitely make fun of me as a musician. You know, <laughs> yeah. And then, yeah, I know you know a little bit about music, though. Mm. You try to dabble a bit. I dabble a bit. I try to dabble a little bit. I like to think I have some rhythm and a little bit of harmony, but others might think otherwise. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I get it. Yeah. Well, a lot of times, you know, what we think of ourselves is the most important starting That's right. place, That's right? right. That's right. And there's that concept of reality checking, but We'll work through it. You know, the thing is, is today's topic is really in the context of rhythm in life. Uh, and I wanted to kind of start out maybe by thinking about how uh, rhythm has more uh, impact on the workplace than that concept we hear so much about, which is work-life balance. And maybe explore a little bit the unreality of balance and the concept of how a philosophy of rhythm rather than balance can help us. You know, it's always interesting how someone tosses out a phrase or a term and all of a sudden it becomes a buzzword and everybody buys into it without really giving it any thought. And I think that's what's happened with that work-life balance. Because as we think about balance, when you really ask yourself in life, is there anything that you, that that is really balanced, right, in life? Because we always say that nothing's 50-50. It's 60-40, or 80-20. But nothing is really balanced, but we always talk about we got to have a balance in life. Fascinating thing is that when I look back, and, you know, we can, we can usually figure out things looking back. Not, not so easy to figure them out going right. forward, no That's matter right. what we think. That's right. I don't know that I've ever had balance of any kind, right? It's always very dynamic, you know, and it's, it's, it's like if you stand on one foot for a long time, it's constant adjustment, right? If it was perfect balance, you would just be still in one place, but your body is constantly adjusting to maintain that dynamic state. So, is balance even really a thing in life or in work life? I've come to the, the conclusion, my personal conclusion, that it doesn't exist because of what you just said. You're always you're leaning one way, so you lean back another way, right? That's more of a rhythm. And then as you begin to focus and certain things are not as rhythmic, we get into the other word and the, the topic that they have harmony, right? Understanding that I need to focus on one particular issue at this particular time, which means that something's going to be out of balance because balance doesn't exist. But once I deal with that issue and topic, I can flow back into all the other areas, which means that I've created some harmony in my life and I understand uh, what it is. And I guess if, if we think about what it means to be to prioritize, that's what we're talking about, being in harmony. Yeah, it reminds me uh, of a lot of the times that this time of year, as a surgeon, you really have to think rhythm. Mm. And it's interesting how it all comes. The typical story would be there's a patient who needs a, an elective procedure. It's not really time sensitive, mm -hmm. but it's the end of the year. And so mm -hmm. most of the time they may have met their insurance deductible so they would like to go ahead and get it done at the end of the year because mm -hmm. they've, you know, they've already paid their part of the, of the insurance mm -hmm. and you want to accommodate that mm -hmm. and make sure. But in my particular uh, specialty, a lot of those operations require significant recovery. And at mm -hmm. the same time, we're coming up on the holiday. Mm -hmm. And so 
at some point, I know that even though the patient feels like it might be in their financial best interest, when I talk to them, other things are really important, like mm -hmm. being home for the holidays, mm -hmm. having good meals with their family, mm -hmm. and all this. And so you've got to sort of get in the rhythm of the seasons mm -hmm. because when folks have, maybe they have a big operation right before Christmas mm -hmm. and they spend their whole holiday in Chris, you know, in the hospital, mm -hmm. it's stressful for them. It's stressful for their family. And mm -hmm. it really isn't what they want. Mm -hmm. When you talk to them, you can usually get to that, but they come at it from a different place to begin with. Cause they're not, they're not thinking about the whole thing. And so one of the parts of, of, of being the surgeon is helping people understand the expectation of what the whole deal is, right? Like mm -hmm. it's not just, you know, we do this operation on, uh, you know, December 23rd and, it, and, and all of a sudden, ta-da, everything is fine, right? right? There's That's a right. rhythm to that recovery. That's right. That's and, right. you know, it's going to take, maybe it's going to take six weeks and you're going to feel really bad for the first two weeks of it or whatever. And so you just have to, have to help people find those right. rhythms. And, and, you know, it, it, that's, that's a great example because I'm kind of going through that now as my mother had surgery a couple of weeks ago and now she's rehabbing her leg in a rehab facility. And so for the Thanksgiving holiday, of course, my mother wasn't home and I'm an only child. So I, you know, it, it's a it's a it's a bit of a difference of having, you know, to be at home with family versus going to a rehab facility to visit, um, which is out of rhythm for anyone, any family. It's, it's out of rhythm. Um, but it, it, it has a place in, 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 in harmony because I understand what's important and knowing that, you know, I have to be able to provide some kind of environment that says that it is Thanksgiving. Right versus a family member not being there, so it's a whole lot to consider and to think. But you know, we both and we all need rhythm and harmony in our lives. Well, you're talking about that specific example, is you know, and so it changes your intensity of experience at that point in time because of what's going on with your mother. And the interesting thing to me is that as humans we're geared toward high intensity experiences, right? And, and a lot of times mm -hmm. intensity fuels our sense of purpose and our purpose fuels intensity. And so that's a virtuous cycle, mm -hmm. but it, but it's not a perpetual motion machine. Right? right. And so the rhythm part in that to me is you have to have periods where there's rest and recovery or decompression. Right. Mm -hmm. So, when we're, when we're in our sense of purpose, it is almost an inextinguishable fire for a period of time. Burns really hot, doesn't feel like work. We're just in the flow. Mm -hmm. uh, but even that, you know, can, can keep us too hyper-focused and other things may fall to the wayside if we're not careful to make sure that we do have that rhythm that we can, mm -hmm. you know, pop our head up above the weeds and look around at what's happening. Yeah. You know, <clears throat> we don't think about it in the in, in this context, but rhythm is a part of everything we do in life. How we walk, how we stride, um, our vital our vital system from blood pressure to your heartbeat. You know um, how we think, the thoughts that we have. I know we were doing an episode the other day, and I kind of had some brain fog there which told me there was something about my rhythm that, that, was, that was off, right? But everything we do is rhythmic. It's all about motion. And if we can keep that in mind, when things aren't going as well, we have to be able to ask ourselves, why am I out of rhythm today or in this particular moment or... How long have I been out of rhythm? Do we even recognize that we are out of rhythm? I think a lot of times we don't, you know, and that rhythm is, is deep seated. So you think about it, you know, fundamentally, you know, the heartbeat, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Very rhythmic. 
Mm-hmm. You know, should be consistent. Stressful times it goes up, mm-hmm. relaxed times mm-hmm. it goes mm-hmm. down. And, it, you know, it's setting this baseline for us. Then there's another rhythm that is the breathing, mm-hmm. right? And we can impact our whole existence based on understanding how to manipulate those things, especially the breathing, mm-hmm. right? So, you know, you, you, when you when you sense that fight or flight, heart rate's getting a little faster, respiration's getting a little faster, and it's, it's not a physical thing, right? You're not exercising or you're not under really under attack. Mm-hmm. It's just some stress in your life. I mean, going straight to the rhythm of your breathing can fundamentally change everything about mm-hmm. how you're actually feeling in the moment, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. It can de-stress you in the moment. It can give your brain some time to process. It can take you out of the you know, the lizard brain mm-hmm. limbic system that mm-hmm. allow you to think. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, it's a t- and, and oftentimes nobody can even tell that you're doing that. That's right. Right? It's, you know, you're just taking, you know, some people use the, the box breaths, right, where mm-hmm. you breathe in for four, mm-hmm. hold it for four, breathe out for four, mm-hmm. hold it for four, and just repeat and go through several cycles of that. And it's amazing what it actually does to the way you feel. And so those are techniques to restore rhythm, right? Because mm-hmm. it was the, it was the anxiety, it was the stress or whatever that was actually disrupting what would be your normal rhythm. Mm-hmm. And you, by being conscious of that change can restore it back and put yourself back into a, to a state where you're better able to respond to what the real situation is. Yeah. And, and from an organizational perspective, there's rhythm as well. And I've always likened it to when I see a company performing very well, quarter in and quarter out. There's something about the leadership. There's something that's been instilled into the employees and the organization for that organization to, as I'm going to say, uh, be firing on all cylinders, Right, so there's a rhythm there that's that's good. You can always tell the change in the rhythm given the performance of the organization at the end of the quarter. If the numbers are bad, I have to ask, you know, what's out of rhythm with that organization? Was there a change in leadership? Was there a change in management? What happened in the environment that threw off the rhythm of the organization? You know, and a lot of times the rhythm is related to the organization's culture. Right, because you know the culture is culture is going to happen whether it's dictated by leadership or whether it happens through abdication. It is going to happen, and so uh, how do we maintain that successful rhythm? And success may not always be in the outcome of how profitable you are, but if you can see that progression toward uh, profit or how you're serving your constituents, um, rhythm plays an an important part of. Uh, leadership. All we have to do is, you know, we can take a look at Twitter, right? We can take a look at, you know, what we had as far as uh, leadership in the country. Now, there are lots of organizations that we can pinpoint and, and look and say, oh, what happened? Why did they become better or why did they decline? Twitter is such a great example. You know, I saw, actually, I saw a post this morning by uh, a friend of mine, Tom Morris, mm-hmm. professional philosopher, mm-hmm. well known, has been mm-hmm. all over the world, really helping companies you know, get better, mm-hmm. think better, mm-hmm. do better. Mm-hmm. And uh, a while back, he wrote a book called Twisdom. Mm-hmm. And it was back in the earlier days of Twitter. He was prompted by some prominent individuals to, to get on Twitter and ultimately to write this book. And his post this morning talked about how he took a little break after that from Twitter, you know, and he, he came back to it. This was in the pre Musk, you know, before Elon took mm-hmm, over mm-hmm. and he, he noted the profound change. He said, you know, before the dialogue was so robust, right? Mm-hmm. Like the community that was there, it was ideas. It was, mm-hmm. you know, just, really positive you know mm-hmm. and if you look at twisdom his book twisdom mm-hmm. you can see a lot of that um and he says now it's just 
it's vitriol basically right it's you know people staking out positions and mm-hmm. it's caustic almost and mm-hmm. isn't that fascinating because that's the opportunity right? That's right could there be a rhythm to that right is that recoverable mm-hmm. you know because sometimes it's that rhythm that brings you back from the brink right mm-hmm. i mean you know maybe it's just a bad spell. I mean, I think mm-hmm. a lot of us have had them in our careers where mm-hmm. it just seemed like a struggle. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I kind of just went through one personally in terms mm-hmm. of, you know, with the organizational change and mm-hmm. figuring mm-hmm. out, you know, mm-hmm. how to be relevant in a new world. Mm-hmm. Um, but the rhythm brings you back out of that, mm-hmm. you know, and maybe, uh, maybe Twitter has a certain rhythm and maybe there's ability. Mm-hmm to recover from that. But, you know, the interesting thing on a platform like that is it, it comes from the people. Yes. I mean, it's an open platform. So there's no guarantee that there actually is a rhythm there because the people can change. And mm-hmm. if they, cha- if, if mm-hmm. the people change, then the rhythm the, changes. Yeah, absolutely. When the, when the people change and that's exactly what happens. That's why I like to say there is a rhythm to leadership. And so prior to Elon Musk, there was a certain rhythm that Twitter experienced. You could tell the difference between the tweets then and the tweets now, right? As you said, people staking a claim as to who we are and what we're going to do and what we're going to say and what we're not going to say, right? And so the rhythm changed, right? And so with the rhythm, the harmony also is has changed a, a great deal. And so you have the rhythmic change, you have the harmonic change, and all of a sudden the culture changed. Because remember, when he came in, he said everybody has to come back into the office. That was one of the most impactful decisions that he made, and it had a huge impact on the rhythm of the organization. Because what, does his, what does it, did his employees say? No. We are not coming back in. You can, well, he said, well, everybody will be fired, right? They said, okay. <laughs> yeah, and, they said, and so he was within a certain rhythm, and it wasn't consistent with what his employees were saying. And so at some point in time, he's going to have to take those box breaths as well as employees, and they're going to have to find the rhythm in order for it to be successful because money alone is not going to sustain Twitter. Yeah, not a very hard. I mean, Twitter's been upside down almost every year of its existence, anyway. Mm-hmm. And you know what a uh, not very harmonious existence, you know. And you see it; it's amazing. The whole platform is is anti harmony, right? Yes. Like it's just it doesn't. You can't make an ingredient, and you can't make a pie out of those ingredients, right? right? Like it just doesn't taste very good right now, and it's all just let me stake this out, let me stake that out, let me stake this out, and it's going to be interesting to see the future of that particular platform. You know, I I just thought about the uh, the site eHarmony when you said not in harmony, no eHarmony, no eHarmony with Twitter, no love being shown, right? You know, it's a different type of rhythm, man, and and I guess. Sometimes you have to disrupt yourself, right? You have to disrupt your own rhythm for the betterment of where you, who you want to be, where you want to go as an individual as well as an organization. So one of the key questions is, when do I determine that it's the right time to disrupt my rhythm and create a new rhythm? Because with a new rhythm comes a new dance. Yeah, you know, that's... That's the magic, and that takes us to topics we, we frequently discuss. That takes you to mental models. That yes. takes you to mental chatter. That takes you to the illusion of control, right? Yeah, and, that's know, right. The, to a certain extent, the rhythms that we experience are ours and ours alone. That's right. You know, that's hard right. to dance like that. Ask my wife; she'll tell you. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, it, it, it's um, it's an interesting phenomenon of how you're talking about how you make the shift, right? Mm-hmm. Like making mm-hmm. the shift is, is a challenge when you find that, find that that rhythm isn't working. Yeah. And, and, and that in and of itself is interesting because it also made me reflect on this phrase called best practices, right? Best practices are rooted in old rhythm. The rhythm that worked to solve certain issues at a particular time may not be the same rhythm that's needed to move forward. And so that's why sometimes when you have an organization that, say, for instance, um, is going from one level to the next, 
oftentimes a leader will recognize that I don't have the rhythm. I have the rhythm to come in and shake up the organization and, and, and to, to re-engineer it, but I don't have that rhythm that's needed to take it to the next level. That's why sometimes we see a shift in leadership from one to the other. I experienced that in my days in corporate America with ExxonMobil. I remember there was a gentleman who came in, and the first thing I heard, he was the hatchet man. And so he was coming in, and he was, you know, looking at the organization. He was going to streamline. But when it was time, when the streamlining was over, and it was time to say, okay, we're going to go to a whole different level of performance, there was a different leader needed because there was a different type of rhythm that that was needed, right, uh, in order to nurture the people and to, to get them the vision to take them there. His only vision was to, I need to see where we can make these cuts or how we can do things better with less, right? It wasn't about the growth rhythm or the next level rhythm. His rhythm was just, let's cut right here and, and we're going to, survive for a minute and then let me find someone else to come in who can actually do that. And so we all have our different rhythms uh, uh, in, in life, and um, we just have to be able to observe and recognize. Concept of skill match. That's you know, right. Sort of the turnaround person versus yep. the builder versus right. the rebuilder versus the evolutional, evolutionary type leader. It's really interesting because it makes me wonder – We've just been through a period of incredibly dramatic change. Mm -hmm. We don't really understand all the ramifications of that and won't for some time. I mean, the pandemic was, you know, a once in a hundred year mm -hmm. plus event. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. What kind of leadership is needed now? Yeah. And, and, we're seeing, given Elon Musk and other leaders who are asking the people to come back in, that they're trying to use that same leadership model from the past versus understanding what the people really want and need in order to be able to perform. It seems to me that it would be more, more along the lines of being a servant uh, kind of leader, uh, understanding the needs of the people and helping them to remove the, uh, the obstacles so they can perform versus that dictatorial kind of leader because that's what it seems that Musk is trying to implement <laughs> within Twitter. I understand it's his money. It's a lot of money, $44 billion, if I'm not mistaken. However, as a leader, it's about inspiring people, right? It's about um, letting people do their jobs, right? Uh, that's why you hire them. It's about having the confidence in people, right? And so um, <laughs> I'm not sure what his rhythm is, but he, it seems as though he's trying to, um, he's playing a different rhythm than the organization is, is accustomed to. And it's fascinating because it, it makes me think of so many other leaders' philosophy, right? It's, it, you know, it's Marshall Goldsmith, what got you here won't get you there. That's right. It's Steve Jobs. We don't hire smart people and tell them what to do. Mm -hmm. We hire smart people to tell us what to do. Mm -hmm. And we talk about the, the concept of ownership. And, you know, you spend a bunch of billions of dollars on something. And let's be honest, you got money to throw away, right? Mm -hmm. But the point is, is, would you rather make a point or would you rather be successful and get what you need? Yeah. And that's kind of, to me, that's the, that's the place that organization is in right now. Right. It's almost like a test of wheels, but it's around, you know, whether Elon Musk can value success over his, beliefs of what are right what's right in that in that situation mm -hmm. because it's clear that those beliefs need to adapt at some at some level mm -hmm. where that where that particular balance is and i'll use balance in that case because i think actually balance is probably contextually right where that lie, lies you know is yet to be determined he's going to have to listen to the organization Organization's going to have to listen to him, just like you said. And then once they've kind of settled, 
maybe it's around values. Maybe it's around, you know, who mm -hmm. knows mm -hmm. what they're trying to do, purpose. Then they can establish that rhythm and have a chance to be successful. So I think, you know, in reality, the jury's still out, and it's easy for, mm -hmm. you know, like, like I say, man, there's a there's an all-pro quarterback on every street corner Monday that's morning. Right. That's right. That's right. That's <laughs> you know? right. That's right. And, and we're, right. we're doing some of that, too. So in fairness, but it's a fascinating, uh, I think, uh, study in leadership to see what happens because, uh, you know, history will tell. We'll, we'll know at yeah, some point whether right. this uh, right. is, a, is a failed experiment or a, a success. Yeah. And, and the question boils down to is, why did he purchase it and how did he see Twitter fitting into his bigger purpose, right? What does he really want it to be? Did he buy it such so that he can have certain people who will go on there and espouse whatever their beliefs are? And maybe he believes in freedom of speech. Maybe he doesn't. Um, I'm not quite so sure wh why he purchased it and how it fits within his greater purpose um, but at some point in time, that'll come out as to why he did, uh, it, based upon uh, how people are digging in and taking, um, claiming their turf, so to speak, on 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 Twitter. Uh, I don't use Twitter much. Every once in a while, I'll go there and I'll see some of the messaging, and I'm like, okay, this is not where I want to be, right? I want to be more harmonious, if you will, right? I want to be more more rhythmic. That 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 rhythm doesn't play doesn't fit well within who who I am um uh I think if I had to do any well if I had to think about any of those platforms LinkedIn and probably Facebook is more rhythmic for me and that's probably because I'm a an older person as well so <laughs> that the younger the younger people are more the Instagrams yeah, and the other yeah. yeah we're here in our sixth decade trying to sort of figure <laughs> out how to catch yeah. up to the, to the 90s um and I'm the same way because I like to use those platforms for learning yes, and for connection mm -hmm. around topics. You know, LinkedIn is a great environment to go out and put out a, a question, mm -hmm. you know, to your network and, mm -hmm. and have them weigh in, mm -hmm. and, and, you know, and you learn a lot. You find, sources to go and, and read you find mm -hmm. you know people who have different experiences sharing them mm -hmm. to me that's enjoyable i, I don't uh, i just twitter has turned into uh, let, let me draw this line in the sand and see what happens mm -hmm. and you know you can get that anywhere yeah and honestly. that rhythm is okay for some people yeah but not for me yeah me because <laughs> it's not special that's right, right? like that's right. That's there's right. nothing special about that anymore and it's interesting to me, the evolution of it. I've never had a huge presence, but I used to have more. And when I was president of the medical society, I actually had a, a page for that. And the thing about it is, is that um, the character limits as they used to exist and everything had a lot of value. You know, if you wanted to say something coherent, had to think through it mm -hmm. and need to come out. Mm -hmm. But what we're seeing now is the flip side of that is, a, you know, not well thought out too short. Mm -hmm. And maybe in a lot of cases, it's an, there's an interpretation phenomenon there that things get taken somewhat out of context. Mm -hmm. Right. Cause that's mm -hmm. one thing it doesn't provide is adequate context. And so it, it's interesting, you know, it could be, we've got to say an insurgent, then we go, you know, like, you never want to have an operation named after you because all the good operations have already had a name, right? right? And so, right. and it could be that a lot of the fundamental principles that can be stated in a limited number of characters are just already known, right? And so if you're creating a new one, yep. it's not that good yep. of an idea. Yep. Yep. That's right, that's right. And you know, there's a rhythm, there, there was a rhythm as we talk about the rhythm of this country, right? And we talked about the importance of education and the importance of critical thinking, right? And that's a particular rhythm, or it was a particular rhythm. Now we're seeing, as you talked about, messages without the full context. And as a result of that, that rhythm of critical thinking and that rhythm, rhythm of knowledge and that rhythm of the importance of an education is changed. 
because maybe the internet throws out a little bit of information. You see it and you post it and a lot of people would just believe it and buy it because it's there. They don't go do the research, right? They don't do the, they don't put the critical thinking into it. And so we see the rhythm of the thinking of our nation changing simply because a lot of people say, well, if it's on the internet, it's got to be true. And some people used to say, well, just because it's in a book doesn't necessarily mean that it's true or that it's real. So we have to examine that whole rhythm of critical thinking, that whole rhythm of education, and where we're going in this country. I call it sometimes the rhythm of dumbing down this country, simply because you get a, uh, and, and the media is famous for this, you, you get this that snapshot, right, those 10 seconds of someone making a comment not having the full context around what they were actually discussing, and they'll take that and they'll run with it, and everybody will believe it, and then come to find out that it wasn't true. It, it's like I use an example of um, uh, an example that you're familiar with of Allen Iverson when he was up on the, the 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 he was being interviewed, and they were asking him about a con- I guess about some conflict he had with his coach Larry Brown around practice, and he said, "Practice? Are you talking about practice?" That's practice. The full context of the story was a friend of his had just been killed. And he was going through all of his emotions. And they were asking him about coming to practice and not coming to practice. And he said, do you just realize that my friend was killed? My best friend was killed. And so when you saw the full interview, then you got the full context of it. But the way they played it out for years around practice was if he didn't want to go to practice. He didn't believe in practice. And you can't become as good as Allen Iverson was and be a Hall of Famer without having some kind of love and devotion to practice. Oh, yeah, you know he's practiced all the time. (laughs) And it's interesting. It it could be that the rhythm of all that is social media and all mm-hmm. that is mass media and just this massive onslaught of information is helping drive that absence of context mm-hmm. because people feel they're they're in this constant response mode and they're looking and they're really not having time or taking time to go deep and and, and figure out a little bit more right. about it That's and right. that's a it's something we all have to guard against. I think, you know, there's lots of, you know, it's a busy life. And I like the, I like the saying that every yes must be defended by a thousand no's Mm -hmm. because it really speaks to establishing a personal rhythm. And most of the great successes that we see, no matter what era, no matter what country, no matter where these things came from, they're almost always deep dives, mm-hmm. right? Like it's a it's a it's a mile deep and an inch wide, mm-hmm. and where this sort of onslaught of information that we have now, it's making us you know a mile wide and an inch deep. The exact opposite. It fights our human connection. It gets in the way of understanding, and it's it's profoundly limiting. So we have to figure out how to reestablish that rhythm. I mean, everything's got a rhythm. Seasons have a rhythm. That's right. There's day and night. <laughs> That's right. Right. That's right. There's a you know as the seasons come, day and night changes. That's right. Those High tide, low tide. It comes together, <laughs> right? Like right. we have work cycle rhythms as we get older, and you know as we said just a minute ago, we're both in our sixth decade. That that work rhythm doesn't look the same, nor should it. That's right. And when you take, a, again, going back to, to medicine, 2030, we predict that there'll be a shortage of about 100,000 doctors in the country. 100,000 shortage mm. of doctors for basic care that mm. people need for their health. Mm. You know, one solution is for us to figure out how to change the model, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that the career rhythm of people who are more senior in their practice can change to a sustainable one. Mm-hmm. They can continue to contribute in ways that's meaningful to them and mm-hmm. meaningful uh, to the people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
you know, and it's just a matter of changing that rhythm to make it work. And we, you know, we, we would face much less of a shortage if we were able to figure that That's out. Right. Just, just the observation alone of how the music is playing and understanding that the dance has to change, right? And that's that whole disruption piece that we talked about. When do you know that you must disrupt your rhythm to create a better rhythm that's more sustainable, as you said? When we're, when we're younger, our rhythm can be frenetic because we, have, we just have that energy, right? But as we get older, we want to sustain. But now, how do I sustain this utilizing less energy, less rhythm, but still produce the same, get the same type of performance, right? And so the rhythm of thought and the rhythm of action uh, is what comes to mind for me. Absolutely. And it's, uh, it's, another, it's another mindset, mental model thing, right? right. Just understanding that that, that change is, is good. Mm-hmm. You know, it's important. And it, there's a lot of personal grace in it. And, mm-hmm. you know, one of the success, things about successful aging is being able to accept some of these changes. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I face it right now. It's, it's interesting because, you know, my son is 17. He's working out heavy, mm-hmm. you know, and I used to work out really hard and everything. And, you know, I can't, I, don't, I can't recover fast enough to, to do that kind of regimen anymore. Mm-hmm. I just mm-hmm. can't do it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but I can stay active. I can mm-hmm. stay healthy. Mm-hmm. You know, there are certain different, uh, you know, advantages that you have as you age. And if you just fight it all the time, you know, like if I just fought it all the time and was trying to do the workout he mm-hmm. does, I would just be sore and mm-hmm. incapacitated all mm-hmm. the time. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. But I can accept where I am at this stage mm-hmm. and, and do something that's very, good for my health Mm -hmm. still has something that we can talk about around you know Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and get on down the road and and what i just heard you discuss is that physical rhythm becoming more more mental more cerebral if you will right now it's because i'm 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 wiser and i can observe and recognize faster than when i was younger I'm going to do the same kind of workout, but I'm going to do it a little bit differently simply because I know that uh, I, I will become incapacitated if I do it a certain way. But if I change my rhythm around what this workout is, then I can still remain in shape, still have a very good workout, and it beca- it's become more of a, we've changed our mental model around what it should look like. Yeah. And that, you know, that, that whole concept of acceptance mm-hmm. that starts with ourself uh, mm-hmm. is, is important. I mean, it, it just, it helps us stay well, right? Because, you know, I'm, I can't go back and be 25 year old me physically, mentally right. or anything right. else. And I wouldn't trade it off in a lot of in a lot of dimensions anyway, right? right? Because I've grown so much in that amount of time, um, you know. And so it's just that ability to say to to be with the rhythm of change and be comfortable with it, mm-hmm. um, and know that there are many different ways to function, mm-hmm. and it's and it's going to be okay. And we see that we see that play out in a lot of the healthy societies that there is a there there is a reverence mm-hmm. for that life rhythm that mm-hmm. we don't tend to have quite as much in this country but we could probably learn from places that do mm-hmm. that you know that that type of reverence for what those life changes mean mm-hmm. for what the relative uh, contribution in a given stage of life is if we could get more uh, more in harmony with that mm-hmm. then I think we would see a lot of our problems go away I mean social isolation would would be a thing of the past um, understanding heritage history and context would yes. be much easier <laughs> yeah. all these things yeah, you know wow we could learn would. a lot just it from would. listening would. to folks we're so driven in in this society right and, you know uh, 
we're driven by material uh, wealth. We're driven by this whole thing called capitalism. And don't get me wrong, I, I'm a I'm a capitalist. I'm a but but there's you know this whole concept of uh, social capitalism, right? How does everyone win together? Because everyone can win together. There's enough of the pie for everyone, and uh, uh, we live in a universe of abundance. It's real clear, right? I always ask the question, so what have we run out of since we've been on this earth? Because we always talk about, you know, the forest. Uh, we always talk about oil and all these other needs. But the bottom line is we haven't run out of anything. Uh, now, some of our water may be contaminated, but that was done by man. <laughs> that wasn't done by the creator of nature, right? Man, we did that on our own, right? Right. So, so abundance is what, this universe is rooted in what we have to find is the rhythm to understand how we become one or as much as one with nature as we possibly can and have that particular rhythm so that we can continue to have abundance yet not contaminate or destroy what's been given to us. Yeah, it's eminently doable. Mm -hmm. I mean, certainly mm -hmm. we can. And it, people, it's amazing. You, you have these discussions in certain certain circles, and people are incredibly staked out, right? That you know, <laughs> the, around this whole concept of uh, social capital, if you will, and uh, whatever, however you want to contextualize it. Mm -hmm. The thing is, is that it it has to always end up where there's a renewal process. Mm -hmm. Whatever resource is being used, there has to be a renewal process mm -hmm. for that. Mm -hmm. And and that renewal process has to consider everything that was affected by that resource in the first place. And to the extent that we fail in that, we fail people, we fail mm -hmm. the environment, we fail even stakeholders mm -hmm. or shareholders mm -hmm. because we've created you know we've created a dead-end train mm -hmm. track and that's not what we want right that's like right. it needs to be rhythmic mm -hmm. cyclical mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. once when we figure that out it's you know it's those companies that figure that out that 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 last otherwise we just watch them fade over the course of decades right and they go away that's right that's right if we would just think of rhythm from an individual perspective of how our rhythms, how we wake up, how we rest, because we have to, we, at some point in time, we got to go to sleep. We got to renew our bodies, right? If we have to do that and we see other human beings and we know that they have to do that, then to me, that goes into the organization. And I realize that there has to be a renewal of a resource, of resources, because I'm a resource as a human being. I have to renew. And if I have to renew, and I'm basically the, uh, the creator of all these other resources, then I should know just from common sense, and I know that common sense isn't common, that I have to find a way to help to, re to, to renew that particular resource. I have to give it a break. I have to come up, I have to create something that allows the renewal of that for it to be sustainable because I can't go 24 hours a day but for so long as a human being and I must think of whatever that other resource, I, I need to think of that other resource the same way. It, it's, it, it's, at some point in time, it's gonna be exhausted just like I get exhausted. And if we can think like that, right, again, that, that goes to mental model, then we, we, could, we could get a lot more out of resources, yet renew them. And that gets us really at, at a little subtopic I wanted to address. You know, humans are geared, we're geared to seek mountaintop experiences, mm -hmm. to go hard, to be intense. And from that, we draw a lot of energy and positivity and then there's always a letdown. And then there are very, you know, there are lows in life as well, mm -hmm. whether that's mm -hmm. career related, whether that's family related, you mm -hmm. know, whether that's a death in the family mm -hmm. or a severe illness, lots of different reasons why it can be. 
But while we share in those highs and, and that enthusiasm spills over, humankind is also geared to support each other through the lows. Yeah, that's right. And the rhythm is often such that that act of support during a time, a low time for somebody is often someone else's high mm-hmm. because of that, the, the benefit that they get from rendering that service to fellow man. Mm-hmm. And so you can see how then that, that creates a, a harmonious situation where we're, we're able to be there for one another, whether it's a team, you know, we see it in teams all the time, right? Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. certain player has a, not a very good game that was mm-hmm. expected and somebody else plays out of their mind mm-hmm. and the team does fine. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Same thing in life. And we see it on our work teams, right? Mm-hmm. That as somebody's struggling, everybody else picks it up at mm-hmm. our organization. One of the things we've always said is family comes first. So mm-hmm. if somebody's having a personally difficult time, we just figure it out. Yeah. Um, you know, and then obviously, you know, family is its own thing as well. How that support, uh, has to exist when somebody's struggling. So, I mean, those are the types of rhythms that we have to get back to, I think, in yeah. order to... We were kind of talking uh, earlier before we started the podcast. I was We were talking about sales and salespeople, and I gave an example of, you know, the salesperson's number is their number, right? And <clears throat> if they don't make the number, they feel bad. And I kind of gave you my philosophy around how I ran the sales division around... Uh, and, and it relates to what you were talking about, the rhythm, right, and the support of your, your, your team. Um, if, if we as a region made the, the number, everybody made the number, in my opinion. Um, and even though the person who didn't make the number, they were included in making the number, they, f- they feel a little lowly. But in, the, in our culture, we didn't let that happen, right, because I saw and we saw everyone as having making a, a contribution toward the ultimate number, which was the big picture, right? You had the individual number, but the ultimate number is that everybody, that the, the region makes the number. Um, and those people, when they begin to feel lowly, you have to pick them up, right? You have to create that rhythm of what what success looks like, right? And, and it looked different to everybody, right? But we succeeded as a region, so everybody in here succeeded. Even though your contribution may not have been what we measured it to be, you know, getting into what Dr. Rouse says, you know, you create the outcome and then you just kind of let it go, you know. Uh, And so for whatever reason, the process didn't enable them to make their number, but it helped make the entire number for the, the region versus the individual and the support of others on the team, um, the constant reminder that you made a contribution and you make a contribution and that you are important and what you did did help us, right? It's the narrative around that, right, to prevent people from becoming solo, right? Uh, and oftentimes we don't provide that kind of uh, support, uh, to people, especially in a business setting, right? It becomes kind of, you know, gray or, or black and white, really. Yeah, and it's so culturally important, right? Like you, you've created a culture where there's a phenomenon that we never lose sight of the big picture. Mm-hmm. And we value everybody that's a part of the team because, you know, think about it. it. You know, if you exceed target as a collective by, you know, 5%, but you've got two people that, that – fell short by Mm -hmm. 2% each, Mm -hmm. you'd have been nowhere without their other 98%. That's right. And it it just is so important because it also takes into account those universal factors that, you know, the fact that this one guy went 120% this quarter may not even had much to do with him or her. That's right. It's just there were some some things that worked out. Maybe it was timing. Maybe it was, you know, and then the next quarter they could be down and the other person is up. And so it's really uh, it's such a great example of making sure the team always keeps in mind 
the big picture perspective of what they're trying to achieve and not letting cyclical rhythms get in the way of mm -hmm. everybody doing their best. That's, That's just right. fantastic. You know, I, I don't know if you're a fan of the Temptations or not, but I, I was a fan of the Temptations, and I like to call it the David Ruffin effect, right? Because David Ruffin, he was like, nobody's coming to see you guys. Everybody's coming to see me, <laughs> right? And so with that, um, we eradicated that kind of culture, right? It was about everybody. It wasn't about one individual who thought that they were the superstar, right? Um, and in and some and in some environments that you know that does that does happen. But if it, it's about the team, and, and I heard I think it it was um, either Kobe or Michael Jordan that says, you know, um, that's not an I in team, right? And so we kind of have to to think about you know that uh, there's not an I and uh, there's not an I in team. Every, every everybody's contribution um, helps make the overall number. Yeah, it's like there's a picture. If you can picture the word team written in all capital letters, mm -hmm. there's a saying that you know the I in team is between the a holes. Yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah I've seen that. <laughs> so I've talking that. about rhythm, you know, I think our rhythm says that it's about time to wrap this episode yeah. up. And we really appreciate the audience for listening to us. We hope you'll check us out at unlikelyintersection.com. Check out. Uh, this show on YouTube, like, subscribe, share. Check me out on LinkedIn, Doc Philip Brown or Terry. Yep, check me out on LinkedIn, Terry Jackson, PhD or Facebook. And we hope that you really like this topic today. This topic was a little bit lighter than some of the other topics we did, but it was fun and it's applicable in everyone's life. We'll see you at the next intersection. <laughs>